Okay, if I could ask you to uh, end your conversations. I'm going to speak to you for the next few minutes. I'd like to welcome you again. It's a real joy to see you this morning. It's a joy to baptize Andrea, to see her making that step of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a joy. My privilege to speak to you this morning. My name is Matt, and uh, it's my joy to lead the team here. And uh, let me pray as I begin. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you continue to change people's lives every day. Thank you that you are at work in this world. You're at work all around the world. You're working, working in all communities. You are working in this community. You are working everywhere. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your power and your mercy. And we pray this morning you would work in our hearts. Help me to speak your word. Help us to listen and hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, we're go just over the summer, we've decided we're going to pause 1 Corinthians, our series we've been going through. And uh, we just finished 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to pick up in chapter 14 come September. So we're going to be just touching on speaking from different subjects, different parts of the Bible as we feel led by God. And as I was praying this week, uh, I, I've been going through the Psalms. I'm always going through the Psalms. And I was praying from Psalm 139. And many of you would like, you, hands up if you like Psalm 139. That's quite a popular one, isn't it? You should all raise your hands, really. But anyway, it's a quite a popular one. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. If you're new to faith, um, that, that's fine. But Psalm 139 is one of those psalms which many people would, who are Christians would know about. And I've been, I, I felt led to these words. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? Where? Can I flee from your presence? Where? Where in the earth? Nowadays, where in space? What circumstances can separate me from God? Where? It's a, it's a great question to ask. Let me read to you from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 12, just to set a bit of context. Perhaps you want to open a Bible to Psalm 139 if you've got one with you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue. You, Lord, you, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty for me to attain or to understand. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Depths you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. 
your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. Even the darkness and the night become, light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You can see why it's such a great psalm. So affirming, isn't it? So encouraging. So, so, so rich in, in wonderful poetic truth. And it's worth remembering that the psalms are songs. So they are designed to be sung. Originally, they would have been sung in public worship, like we were singing earlier. We would have sung these words. Lord, you have searched me. Lord, you know me. So you'd have, uh, it would be a tune that you would sing. And I encourage you to do that yourselves. Make up your own tunes. Choose a, choose a, a, a tune. Sing words. Encourage your own heart. Because that's poetry and music, the arts, these kind of things. God has designed us in such a way that our emotions are, are moved through poetry and music and beauty like this. So I encourage you to do that. But how would you answer this question today, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where, how would you answer that today? How are you today? How's your soul? How's your faith? You, maybe you could say, well, I, anywhere I go is from your presence. Anywhere I go is from your spirit because I don't have faith in God. That could be where you're at today. It could be, life is dark at the moment. I'm just struggling to believe that God is present. Or, Strangely, it could be, life is dark at the moment, therefore, I'm feeling God's presence more close than ever before. And that is the, the strange thing about suffering, is oftentimes, suffering is the time when we feel more closest to God than we ever have before. And that's certainly the experience of many, myself and many people I know. But like, also, it can be a time where you feel is God present? Is God with me? Look at this, this difficulties that I'm going through or people that I love are going through. And it can cause us to doubt our faith and question, where are you, Lord? Where are you? And this is an honor. You've got to be honest. Where, where can I go from your spirit? How do you answer this today? Where are you at? How's your soul? I was in preparation to this, uh, reminded of the story uh, that, that the book called Unbroken and it's a, it's a wonderful Second World War kind of sto story about a man called Louis Zamperini. And he was a, an American Olympian, the youngest person ever to take part in, I think it was the 5,000 meters. He was approaching, he, he was in the Olympics in 1936. He was, I mean, it, he was close to four minute miles. He may, have, he may have been one of the first people to get there, but he wasn't because a war came along, didn't it? And he ended up being a, in, the, in the Air Force, US Air Force. So that ended his, his career as an athlete. But he was a famous man, a famous athlete, a young, famous, you could say successful person. Had a very troubled childhood, was in a lot of trouble as a young person found athletics to be very helpful for him, kept him out of trouble, 
and gave him, it really helped him out in his life. In 1943, flying a particular bomber, looking for a crashed aircraft in the sea, his aircraft, the, he'd said, I don't think this plane, plane is airworthy, and it turned out to be true when the, one of the, one of the um, um, engines uh, stopped working, and they then crashed into the sea, all crew being killed apart from him and two others. And then for 47 days, they were adrift in the Pacific Ocean. And you're thinking, yeah, I'd love to be in the Pacific Ocean right now. I'd love to be on holiday. In the, no, this is burning sun by day. This is freezing by night. This is shucks. And you're in a rubber dinghy. How, how do you like the thought of that, eh? Sharks. And their rough, scaly skin, as you were laying in this raft, they were stroking against you underneath. How would you like sleeping in that, eh? Oh, Lord, where can I go from your spirit? You know, you're likely in that condition to be worried and fearful, right? It's easy to have faith maybe sat here this morning. But it's sometimes harder to have faith, isn't it? Sometimes harder. Sometimes it is dark. Sometimes you do go on the, on the sea and you're lost. You feel lost. They had to live on awful things. I mean, they tried eating an albatross that they caught with their hands. They couldn't eat it. So they used it as bait because there was some stuff, um, some, some um, um, life-saving things within the, in the raft. So, for example, there were some hooks. So they used it. They caught fish, which they tried to eat. They ate, ate raw. Uh, they, they had to try and catch rain. They didn't have really much water, so they had to try and catch as much rain as they could. But they were basically starving. They were basically uh, uh, losing water. They had to catch what they could, eat what they could. They were obviously just hallucinating in a completely bad way. And I'm, I'm saying all this because it's, an, it's a great story. And one of the things that um, happened, he'd never pray, he, pray, he said he prayed once before when he was a child because his mum was ill and she, he thought she might die. But this experience caused him to cry out to God. He didn't tell the others in the raft, one of whom did, I have to say. Um, two of them survived. He, he, he prayed to God. It caused him to turn to God. And sometimes it is the, the, these trying, awful times that cause us to turn to him. It humbles us. It, it can humble us. As Christians, it can humble us. As non-Christians, certainly in my, my experience, going through trials before I was a Christian that caused me to, certainly not caused me, but certainly made me more open to the Christian faith and to questioning these things. But anyway, after 47 days, and also, may I hasten to add, being shot up by uh, the en enemy aircraft, trying to and miraculously surviving him and his friends. There was only two of them in the end. Being captured by the enemy, spending another couple of years in, in a prisoner of war camp. Being terribly bullied, partly because he was a famous athlete. He was bullied even more by the 
by the authorities in those camps. He became a, after the war, I mean, one thing that did happen was after, I think it was 10 days, his family were told he's probably dead. So you can imagine their surprise when after the war, he turns up, walks through the door, alive. And, you know, he had some trouble to work through. You can imagine having had that trauma and difficulty. He had to work through stuff. But he became, he became a Christian, he became an evangelist, and he worked particularly focusing on young people who were troubled because of his own background and because of how God had healed him and helped him in his life. I say that story because I want you to imagine we may not be cast upon an ocean, but there are times where we feel lost. There are times where we feel the sharks and we feel the, the trials and, and enemy. And as Christians and non-Christians, we go through trials and difficulties. And this psalm is an encouragement to us to go from a place, to move to a place where we can say, Lord, I believe you're with me in all circumstances. This is a rhetorical question. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The, question, the answer is nowhere. That's the answer. And you've got to, we've got to move there sometimes to a place where we trust God is present with you now. God is present with you now. God wants to encourage you. He's with you now, today. It may not be all as you would want, but he's with you now. And my point today is come close to the God who is present. Turn to your neighbor and say, come close to the God who is present. Now you say, oh, but God is always with me. Why do I need to come close? Because there's a difference between being with God God being present and you being present with God. There's a big difference between going on holiday, imagine, right? You're on the beach, you're on your phone, you're worried, you're troubled about work, blah, blah, blah. you're not on the beach, where, you're not on holiday, are you? With God, you can, you, can, you can have great things around you but not actually experience them. God is present, you know, the sun is shining, it's a beautiful day, what are you doing? Worried concerned, troubled, distracted, da, da, da. Not rather than enjoying the things, the good gifts that you could be enjoying. Maybe not, not enjoying your family, not enjoying your friends, not enjoying the things that are good in your life, busy and worried about other things. Sometimes we need to say, oh, I'm just going to enjoy. And, and God's presence is not something just to be academic. Yes, God is present, but to be present with him. And to enjoy his presence and experience his presence and know his presence. Sometimes we have to make that first step of faith, don't we? To become a Christian. To come to God. Because God is present. But you need to come to know him. And then as Christians, it's not just enough to have known him. Do you, are you walking with him today? Are we walking with him? Come close to the God who is present. And there's so many truths from this text that are encouraging you and I, and I to know that he's present with us. You have searched me, Lord. You know me. This is, he knows you. He searches you. He knows everything about you. You know when I sit and when I rise. The mundane, everyday things. When you get out of bed, 
when you go to bed, when you're sitting on the edge of the bed, when you're sitting down, the mundane and everyday things God knows about. God is present with you. He says, you perceive my thoughts. You perceive my thoughts. You know my thoughts. Some of you think that's a bit scary. I don't want anybody to know my thoughts. God knows your thoughts. God knows every thought. Every thought. We may not be, we, we can may, maybe be dishonest to others. We can't be dishonest with God. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're going through. And he, and he forgives. He accepts you as you are in Christ. He accepts you with all your doubts and worries and concerns. He knows your thoughts. Everything is open to God. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, Lord, completely. Now that's a mystery you cannot fathom, isn't it? How God can know your words before you speak them. Well, because God is infinite in time. And that idea is that God is present in time from beginning to end. If the, blah, 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 you know. He's, he's present in time equally. He knows your future, he knows your past, he knows everything. As though it's equally now. God knows your words before you speak them. He's not surprised by your outburst of anger. He's not surprised by those words you, you're thinking or saying. He says, you hem me in behind and before. And that's about protection. You, you put a hedge around me. Behind and before. And it says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too, too wonderful that you know me, Lord. It's too wonderful that you love me, even though you know my thoughts. Even though you know my wickedness. Even though you know my perverted thinking. I'm talking about myself here. Don't want you think about your own thinking. But I'm so grateful that God forgives me in Christ so grateful he washes my sin away. I'm so grateful that he accepts me as I am. You know, if people, if it, sometimes we're ashamed of our own thoughts, aren't we? God accepts us as we are. It's wonderful. He's so kind. It's too wonderful for me to understand these, two, these things. Too lofty. It's too big for you to understand the mind of God who can know your thoughts and every other thought of every human being on the planet, past, present, and future, and your words and every other word of every human being on the planet, past, present, and future. Every moment as though it's now. Everything, all thoughts, everything. God's infinite, omniscient in his understanding. That's our God. It's too lofty. He's too lofty. He's too, he's too big. But he loves us. This is our God. He loves us. This is what Psalm 8 says. Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. In other words, when you see the stars, sun, moon, stars, or you could say the clouds as well, all, all things above us, it reveals something of the glory of God. It's greatness. 
When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the sun, the moon, the stars, which you have put in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of us? Human beings that you care for us? We're like ants, aren't we? If we're in fact less than ants, less than to an infinite God. But he's mindful of us. He loves us. We're so small. We're so small. It humbles us before this almighty God. We're humbled. We're so small. We know so little. We know practically nothing about anything. But God loves you. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere is the answer. God wants to encourage you today. And I could carry on reading through this, couldn't I? There's so many things. If I got to the heavens, you are there wherever I go. Even in darkness, difficult times, you are with me. So God is present everywhere. Come close then to the God who is present Firstly, come close by becoming a Christian. Have you, have you invited the God who is present into your life? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him as your father, as your savior? Paul says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am the worst. And now turn to your other neighbor and say, no, I'm the worst. You're the worst sinner you know, right? Because you know your own thoughts. You've got to be the worst sinner you know. You've got to be. I can't think anybody... You know, we're pretty good at hiding ourselves, aren't we, away? You've got to be the worst sinner you know. Unless you're like really, really holy and sanctified, bless you. Like pray for me as well. But like you've got to be. If you think about your own thoughts. But through Christ, through receiving him, your sin is removed as far as this is from the West. He is taken. It talks about drinking a cup. Like Jesus drank the cup, it says, of our sin. So that we can know his spirit is with us, his presence is with us because our sin has been removed. What's my confidence in, in God's presence being with me? What's my confidence? Jesus. He died for me. He took my sin. It's removed. Therefore, he can come close in a in a personal and relational fashion. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears these words of mine and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. They've crossed over from death to life. If you've received Jesus, he says this to you, Matthew 28, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age if you've received Jesus Christ. Come to the God, come close to him. Come to him through Jesus. Come to him in faith. 
come close to him in faith. If we answer, if we, we, need, we need to trust the promises of God. We need to speak more to ourselves, don't we, than we do to listen to ourselves. We need to speak truth to ourselves. What does the truth say? Well, we've just read loads of wonderful truth. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your presence? In the darkness you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I sit on the far side of the sea, even there you're with me. You've got to speak these things to ourselves. Believe these truths. That's why we've got to get into God's Word and, and trust His Word and trust His promises. Tell the truth to yourself. Come close in prayer and worship. Enjoy God. Come to Him. If you can, in the morning. If you can, when you get up. If you can, come to Him. Sing these psalms. Remind yourselves of the truths that He is with you. It says here in Psalm 42, Why are you downcast, my soul? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, when we're downcast, what's the solution? God is present, but how can we make, how can we bring him, how can we get, go close to him? Well, by worshipping him, right? By speaking to our souls, by singing his praise. Come close to the God who is present in worship and prayer. This is what Hebrews says. Psalm four, uh, Hebrews 4 says this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. You see, we've got to approach the throne of grace. How do we approach the throne of grace? Through faith, through prayer, through worship. Approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive grace to, f to help us and mercy to help us in our time of need. We're going to do that now. We're going to worship together now so that the band could come up. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? How would you answer that question today? How would you answer that question today? Do you want to invite God into your, into your life, as we heard about Andrea? Do you want to invite God to come in close to you? Do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No one can force you to do that. I invite you to do that. What, what, are you putting that off? You've got lots of questions, and you're always going to have questions. There's always going to be questions, like, I, I don't understand everything. If you wait till you understand everything, you're going to wait a long time. Coming to Jesus, do you believe he died for you, for your sin? Do you believe he rose again? Do you want him as your Lord and Savior in your life? Come to him like a child. Come to him. He'll take hold of you. He'll teach you. He'll help you. Perhaps that's something for you today. Do you want to come close to God today? Are you struggling? Is your life hard at the moment? Do you feel at, at sea? Do you feel that you're washed away? 
Are you struggling with things? Is life hard for you at the moment? Come close in faith. I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you're present. Something we can do practically every day is to pray and worship. Sing his praise. Pray to him. Talk about your troubles to him, the God who is present. So let's stand together. Let's come close to the God who is present now in worship.